On April the 10th in the year 1815, Mount Tambora, an active volcano in Indonesia, erupted with an explosion so powerful that the blast was heard 1,200 miles away. It was one of the most powerful volcanic eruptions in recorded history. It released nearly 10 billion metric tons of ash and pumice into the atmosphere, and the end result was that it cooled the globe, creating what volcanologists call a volcanic winter. The following year, in the summer of 1816, in Europe, it became known as the year without a summer. And as it happens, that summer, a group of English tourists decided to spend their vacation in a cottage on Lake Geneva in Switzerland, presumably to get away from English winters. Because the weather was cold and rainy, they spent their time sitting around a fire, amusing themselves with ghost stories. Then, one evening in June, their conversation took a dark turn when they wondered if it was possible to reanimate a corpse. Uh, Did I mention that they were all famous literati? Among them were the poets Byron and Shelley, and Shelley's wife, the Gothic novelist Mary Godwin, better known to us as Mary Shelley. The conversation planted the seed of an idea in her imagination, and she began writing a novel about a mad scientist who reanimates a cadaver. This is how Frankenstein came to be written. If you haven't read the book, you probably saw one of the movies the book inspired. There are is the 1931 Boris Karloff movie, but there are dozens and dozens of others like Son of Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein, Teenage Frankenstein, Frankenstein's Daughter, Frankenstein's Baby, and Frankenstein's Great Aunt Tilly. I kid you not. He he may have been a monster, but at least he was a family man. I've brought you from a, a volcanic island in Indonesia to a cottage on Lake Geneva, and from there into the imagination uh, of of an author who wrote a famous horror story about a reanimated corpse. There's one place yet to go, and that is a first century village in the Middle East, not far from Jerusalem, where the Lord Jesus is in the process of doing something similar to what Mary Shelley wrote about, reanimating a cadaver dead for four days. Now, you might not think about it in this way, but Frankenstein and the Gospel have this much in common. They both insist that an important feature of being a human being is the refusal to be reconciled with death, even though it is our common lot as contingent beings. We do not go gentle into that good night. The difference is that Mary Shelley wrote a horror story about a scientific experiment gone wrong with the intent of scaring her readers, the Apostle John tells a miracle story about Lazarus' return from the dead with the intent of giving us hope. Why? Or maybe the question is, how? The answer has to do with a pair of Greek verbs used to describe how Jesus himself feels about death and God's refusal to reconcile with it. The two 
describe Christ's own internal emotional state as he stands in front of the tomb of Lazarus. Those two Greek verbs are embryaomai and tarasso, variously translated as deeply moved, troubled in spirit, or as our translation you just heard, perturbed, kind of weak. But this is an interpretation more than a translation because both, both verbs were originally used to describe the behavior of horses. Embryaomai describes how a horse will pass air through its nostrils when it's vexed. And by extension, it literally means to snort with rage, to be indignant. Tarasso means to be thrown out of a saddle, or how a rider is bounced around in the saddle of a galloping horse. And from there, it's just a small step to describing an emotional disturbance or a state of extreme agitation. We could say to become unglued, or to become unhinged, or more commonly, to lose it. This is, in fact, God's reaction to death. The Lord Jesus stands before the tomb of Lazarus, and he snorts with rage. And while he calls the dead man from the tomb, it is only a temporary fix to the human dilemma of death. Lazarus is a resuscitated corpse, and that means he must die again at some future point. The liturgy for this Sunday is gently turning our focus away from our sins that we began Ash Wednesday with and, our, and the pact that we have all made with death by the things that we do contrary to our best interest and to the will of God. And now, turning from that, it turns toward it, beyond it, to Easter, where we will stand before the tomb of Christ. Only this tomb will be empty because Christ will have risen from the dead, not as a reanimated corpse, a la Mary Shelley, or even Lazarus, but as the glorified risen body of a man who has triumphed over death and can never die again. As the fathers of the church say, he has destroyed our death by his death. And well, death is still the enemy, but it is a defeated one. Those of us who have been preparing for Easter through prayer and fasting know that the cross and the grave are not the end of the story of Jesus of Nazareth, but the end of the story of death itself.